Hi, friends. I'm Father Billy Daniel. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. This podcast features sermons, reflections, and occasional conversations intended to help you find meaningful ways to engage in the spiritual life, to newly reflect on scripture and sacred writings, and to foster good conversation, all for the singular purpose of helping you become more present to the God who is ever present with you in Christ. To learn more about me or to explore my books and other writings, go to www.williamdaniel.info. There you can sign up for bi-weekly reflections and updates or learn how I can be available to you or your church in deepening your life in Christ. Thank you again for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Christ's peace be with you. This homily, preached in St. Michael's Church on Sunday, October the 31st, is based on Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. That's a great Sunday school answer, he would say. But what does it mean? Growing up in the church, I had good teachers and pastors who challenged me to think deeply about the life of faith. And I remember with some regularity my youth pastor saying to one of us when we would respond to one of his questions during youth group, that's a good Sunday school answer. Now tell me what it looks like. How do we live it, he would say. The encounter with Jesus and the Sadducees in Mark's gospel is reminiscent of this sort of question and answer response. The Sadducees ask their Sunday school question, which commandment is the first of all? And Jesus gives them both the traditional response as well as its implications. The statement Jesus gives the Sadducees is known as the Shema, which comes to us from Deuteronomy 6 and 11 and Numbers 15. Jews have traditionally offered these as a prayer each morning as prescribed by Moses in the law. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the only God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. But Jesus adds to this something that is implied but not included in the Shema itself. It is Jesus' response to the second unasked question. The second is this, says Jesus, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And to the third unasked question, Jesus responds, there is no other commandment greater than these. Eavesdropping in on this conversation is a scribe. He's been listening intently the whole time to this back and forth between Jesus and the Sadducees. And Jesus, he notices, seems to be smirking. And the Sadducees 
who are always frowning seem to be long in the face. You remember my favorite biblical pun about the Sadducees? The Sadducees are, they don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. Hence the long faces. Without realizing it, the scribe has wandered up to Jesus, creeping in just when Jesus has finished talking, and he blurts out, You're right, teacher. You have spoken truthfully. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Unlike the Sadducees, the scribe would have known chapter and verse of each scroll from which Jesus was drawing all of this wisdom. He heard Jesus bringing the whole of Scripture into conversation, laying out with refined simplicity what it looks like when God alone is God for us. What it looks like when we love God wholeheartedly, when the Shema comes to life, when this happens, all of the other commandments cohere. For we will love others in the manner in which God loves us. You are not far from the kingdom, says Jesus. Jesus' words here are curious. What is Jesus highlighting that suggests the scribe is not far from the kingdom? Is it because the scribe recognizes that our allegiance to God and our love for others trumps animal sacrifices? Is it because his childlike heart helps him to see that the Shema calls us to more than a morning prayerful recitation, but an actual embodiment of love? Or could it be that the scribe has been lurking so closely that having come upon the conversation and wiggled his way in next to Jesus, that he accidentally steps on Jesus' toes and Jesus, Jesus looks down, noticing the sandal on top of his foot, says, well, you're not far from the kingdom now. Actually, you're standing right on top of it. <laughs> having the Sunday school answer about the commands of God is but a first step toward the kingdom. The crucial next step is to move nearer toward Jesus and our neighbor. Now, I want to make something abundantly clear this morning. Today is Pledge Sunday. It's the Sunday for sacrificing our metaphorical whole burnt offerings, which we call our pledge. Whether our monetary gifts are large or small, whether it's everything we can give or a small fraction of our wealth, if our self-offering does not involve moving closer to God and others in prayer and even a certain physical proximity for the sake of Christ and to the benefit of others, we are keeping ourselves at a distance from the kingdom. This distance between ourselves and the kingdom is not determined by time, not by wealth, and not by geography. Our proximity to the kingdom is proportionate to our faithfulness in prayer and contemplation 
and our prayerful disposition toward God and others, an orientation that does, however, involve how we make time, what we do with our money, and the places where we live and move. Notice in the Shema, our reading from Deuteronomy today, which retells the story of the Israelites preparing to enter the promised land, Moses tells the people, do not forget, do not forget that in the land that God has given, it is God, it is God who is to be worshipped, and that this is something we must remind ourselves and each other over and over and over again. Tell it to your children. Speak this word to strangers. We see in this a foreshadowing of what the kingdom of God is, the kingdom who comes in Jesus Christ. It is a way of life and love for God and others that permeates every aspect of who we are. These words of life and love are to be written on our doorpost so that you see them when you go into your house. We are to pray them when we wake up in the morning and just before we fall asleep at night. We are to write them on our hearts and even on our foreheads, both so that we do not forget and so that those who see us do not forget also. Turning toward Christ in this way is a continual reorientation of our lives toward the kingdom of God so that our movements always lead us to Christ, toward life in Christ. It is what the monastics have always referred to as conversatio morum, a constant conversion of life. Every day is to be converted a day to be converted, a day for us to be turned more and more toward Christ. It's easy, I think, to offer Sunday school answers about the life of faith, those answers that are narrow responses to our narrow questions. Just like the Sadducees, we have a tendency to approach the faith of Christ with specific questions that address our momentary concerns or anxieties. Or we simply ask questions to see if someone will respond how we think they ought to. Rarely do we ask questions of faith to extend ourselves beyond what we already think or believe beyond what we already seem to understand about God or the implications of loving God and our neighbor. On this Pledge Sunday, for instance, we might ask whether we give or should give 10% of our income as a tithe to God for the sake of the church. We might become Pharisees and ask if that 10% should be pre-tax or post-tax. You know, does God want a percentage of my net income or my gross income? Is it just my liquid assets I'm supposed to tithe on? Or is it the whole of my estate? We ask such questions because we still think that what we have is our own. 
We still think that God wants a percentage, not the totality of who God has given us to be and become. Instead of asking ourselves how much or what percentage we ought to give, for instance, we need to ask ourselves, who is God calling me to be, to become? When we ask these questions with searching honesty, we forget about the whole burnt offerings of our lives, and we grow to lead a life of love that is completely oriented to the kingdom, so much so that we give not because it was a great sermon on Pledge Sunday, not because I have a good pension, not because I trust the treasurer's accounting, not because I really like the rector, not because I approve of the renovation, not because I support or do not support migrant ministries, not because I believe every word that we say in the creed, not because my parents told me to, and the list goes on. I give rather as though I am laying my life on the altar of God every day, knowing that whatever I hold back, I am that far from the kingdom. Again, we're not talking about whole burnt offerings here. This is not about the dollar amount of your pledge. The church has bills to pay. God does not need your money. What you and I both need is conversatio morum, to continually lay all that we are on the altar of God, week after week, day after day, for only then, only then can all of who we are be consecrated by God, for God, and return to us in the sacrament of faith that we might truly become the love of God with all that we have and are and bear the implications of this love, this love for God in everything that we say and do for others. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. Do remember to subscribe to this podcast and go to www.williamdaniel.info to learn more about growing deeper in Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you, both now and always.